0: And thank all of you who work in Children's Church and uh, help our kids out. You're a uh, great blessing to us. Thank you for doing that. And also, uh, I wanted to say, if you have a, an offering that you want to give, there's a box right outside those doors um, in which you can place it. And uh, there's also online giving at gracewayokc.org. And uh, just a little reminder there, And thank you for your giving, especially during this pandemic. And speaking of pandemics, um, you know that um, uh, Rosanna Garrett is tested positive for COVID. Her sister Phyllis has. And um, I don't think Lynn is tested positive, but he has the symptoms. And then I found out yesterday, got a text from Barbara and Gerald Turner that they have it. So... uh, we need to quit doing this, don't we? And uh, we wish them well. And uh, so glad Bob Hooker is here with us today. Amen. He has been on lockdown for over a year, and so uh, he broke free. So uh, we're glad we're glad that he's out. And just don't tell anybody, okay? But uh, we're glad. And uh, we pray for your safety and your blessing. As well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we open His Word. Father, as we think about the joy of Brother Bob being back here with us, what a little taste of heaven that is. It reminds us of the joy we're going to experience when we stand in glory, as we've been singing about, and we're reunited with you and with all of the saints of the ages where it's just a perpetual reunion and such a joy, never getting old, never getting normal, never getting boring, but just wave after wave after wave after wave of joy for eternity, all because of your amazing grace. Lord, help our sick people. Help it not to spread anymore. Bring this coronavirus thing to a conclusion and we pray Lord that you would give medical personnel knowledge and protection as uh, they are working on all of this and we pray that you would boost our immune systems and help us so that this thing just dies out and can't find any more people to infect and we pray Father that you would uh, bless us. That we would be compassionate, that we would minister, that we would help people. Thank you that Gail Hudler is home now. That's a tremendous blessing. And we pray for your grace to be given to her and to Danny. And Father, as we think about other people that are not in a church family, and yet they're still suffering and some of them are scared to death, some of them are in the hospital, Some of them maybe even on a ventilator or something like that. We remember them and we want to pray for them. And we want to pray for opportunities, doors to open that we might minister to someone who doesn't know Christ. And we pray that in doing that, they would see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And so may we always be on the lookout for how we can help other people for the glory of Jesus Christ... May we always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And may we always be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are unbelieving. And may you give us a harvest, Lord. That's what we pray for, a harvest in all of this. And we pray that you would strengthen us and bless us as well as we look into your word. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher today. And so we... Abandon ourselves and yield ourselves to you. Speak to us. We're ready to hear whatever it is you have to say through your word and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, go ahead and bring up the title slide, please. And um, when you look at these pictures, just the question, what could possibly go wrong? Someone said, this is why women outlive men. (laughs) And that very well could be. And as we think about what could possibly go wrong, how many things are we doing in our culture, in our society, that when you look at it, you go, wow, what could possibly go wrong? You know, we could think of so many different things. And I want to speak about some of these things today because as God gives illustrations of his law, the Ten Commandments, to Israel, he brings up some different cases and some different scenarios that really do have application to us whether we uh, think they do or not. It's so easy to read these things and go, ah, that doesn't apply to me. I'm under grace and I don't have any animals anyway. And yet the principles are what we need to learn from. The principles. And we compare ourselves to this in order to see where we stand with what a holy God desires out of us. And so we're in Exodus 23 this morning. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. And it says... You shall not circulate a false report. Now, don't tell me that's not applicable to today. You ever heard anybody talk about fake news? You ever had anybody lie to you? You ever had anybody tell you something that they would say, I swear on a stack of Bibles, it's true, and yet it wasn't true? And if we're not careful, we might pick that up and become a part of the devil's tools in circulating a lie And a false report. So right there in verse 1. Don't tell me this is irrelevant. Don't tell me this is impractical. This is a word for all of us. You shall not circulate a false report. Let's read on. Do not put your hand with the wicked. To be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd. To do evil. Nor. Shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice? Verse 3. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. And if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him. In other words, show some kindness. Back to him again. Verse 5. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden, and uh, lying under its burden would mean it collapsed under the weight of the burden, so it's in trouble, and you would refrain from helping it, your natural tendency is to say, This guy doesn't like me, why should I help him? Then God says, You shall surely. Help him with it, and you shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. We want everything to be clear, justice to prevail. Verse 7, keep yourself far from a false matter, and do not kill the innocent with the righteous. For I will not justify the wicked, and you shall take no bribe. For a bribe, listen to this, blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. Verse 9. Also you shall not oppress a stranger. We've heard this before. For you know the heart of a stranger or a sojourner because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, when we look at those things and we think about how much of that that we read does our society disdain? How much of that does our society have contempt for? How much of that have you even said, well, I want, I'm not going to do anything like that, particularly that part about the enemy. Why should I help him? Why should I help her? After all, look at what they've done to me and look at the way They feel for me. And I have said to you on several different occasions, if you've got somebody you just cannot get along with, pray for God to create a situation that only you can meet and then meet it. In other words, dear Lord, put so much weight on their donkey that he collapses and I'm the one that finds him so that when I help the donkey up and bring him back to this person that hates me, they have to understand that I'm not out to get them, that I'm not out to destroy them, that I'm not wishing evil upon them, but I actually wish the best for them. And sometimes through that, you actually get something resolved. This is the way God has taught us to act. This is what Jesus meant when he said, pray for your enemies and do good to those That do evil to you. This is what he was talking about. As the people of God. We ought to be different than the world. Not acting like everybody else. Not retaliating like everybody else. But we need to be thinking about. How we can use every situation. Even the hurtful situations. Did you hear me? Even the hurtful situations. As an opportunity To show the love of Christ. As an opportunity to give mercy and love to other people. As an opportunity to just be a Christian. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You want people to identify you as a child of God? Then don't be an agitator. (coughs) Be a peacemaker. And when you are a peacemaker, you're being like Christ because he is the one who is our peace, bringing peace between sinful humans like us and a holy God. And so the things we're going to look at today, we're going to say, what could possibly go wrong and then try to answer it. And the very first thing that comes up, if you look at verse, verse one and following there, You'll notice how it talks about joining your hand with someone else for a false witness or to do something that's evil. And then he even talks about following the crowd to do what is wrong. So let's um, answer this question. What could possibly go wrong when your life follows public opinion? Whenever you're just going along because, well, that's just what we do we go along to get along, you're probably going to be wrong. Not 100%, but there's a really good chance. Whenever you change your idea, this is what's right or wrong, and then whenever someone else tells you, well, I don't agree with that, and then you shift to meet whatever it is that they say, then you're probably going to be wrong. Not in every case, but probably. Going along with the crowd is what your mother always warned you against. If all your friends jumped off a cliff, right? You've heard that, something like that. Don't be a follower of the crowd. And I've been very concerned that in my lifetime, the church looks around at the world. And when the world changes its view, On the role of men and women. What happens? It won't be long before you're going to hear about some church. That has changed its view. Some denomination that has changed its view. And pretty soon it becomes a massive movement. That now we are following not the word of God. Not the truth of God. But we're following public opinion. We can't stand the thoughts. That we might be old fashioned that we might be irrelevant, that we might not be contemporary and up-to-date with everything? Well, let me just tell you, let God be true and every man a liar. Let us live by the truth of the Word of God. Let us not follow the crowd, but let us be the ones that walk the narrow way. Let us be the ones that are confronting the crowd. Let us be the conscience Of our nation. Let us be the conscience of our neighborhood, the conscience of our family. Let us be the ones who speak the truth no matter what anyone else is saying, and yet we do it in such a loving manner that they can't dispute it. Let us be the ones that don't follow public opinion and we don't circulate false reports and we don't put our hand with the hand of the wicked. To be an unrighteous witness, and we don't follow the crowd to do evil. We are the people of God, and we need to believe like it, and we need to act like it. I thought about Jesus. those false reports, an empty report there means something that there's no substance to. It means um, an empty report. There's nothing to it. In Matthew 26:59, when Jesus is on trial, Think about this. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. They weren't just seeking testimony that turned out to be false. Scripture here tells us they were seeking false testimony. In other words, find somebody who will lie. Find somebody who tell us what we want to hear and say what we want to hear so that we can put this man to death. Well, that's an awful thing. And yet there are so many times when Christians get caught up into internet rumors and they don't check them out, but they pass them on. Be really careful about that. There are times when we hear a word of slander or a word of gossip, maybe even in church. Maybe in Sunday school. And without checking it out, without knowing whether it's true or not, we just begin to pass it on. Well, that's false testimony. That's following the crowd. That's going along, and if everybody else thinks it, then you're going to think it too. The Bible here is talking about what do we think about sin? What do we think about right? What do we think about wrong? What do we think about sound doctrine? Are we just being tossed about by every wind and wave? Or are we settled on the rock? Are we settled on the truth of the inerrant, infallible, eternal, all-sufficient Word of God? And I'm going to make a prediction based on the Word of God. That whatever it is you see right now that you don't like. And the shifting sands of our culture. And things that just a few years ago, you said, oh, nobody will believe that. Well, people are believing it now. It's going to get worse. And if you don't stand on the truth, and if you don't disassociate yourself from empty reports and lies and rumors and things that are circulated falsely, you're going to get caught up in all of that. And the riptide of the current is going to pull you under. This is why the Bible gives us a warning. Even Jesus had to face this. In Matthew 27, 20, it says, Now the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. They persuaded the crowd to ask for a murderer's life and for Jesus to be crucified. What was happening? They're going along with the movement. They're going along with conventional wisdom. They're going along with what everybody thinks. They're going along with the religious crowd. They're just keeping up with all of that. And they end up, because of that, calling the name of Barabbas instead of calling out for the release of Jesus. Pilate has told them, I find no fault in him. What do you want me to do with Jesus or Barabbas? And they said, give us Barabbas. What shall I do with Jesus? Away with him and let him be crucified. Matthew 27, 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning. See, the riot, the crowd, the movement that's going on like that. He took water You see what happened? Everybody's following the crowd. Everybody is being persuaded by the wrong people. Had they only read Isaiah 53 out of their own scriptures, they would have seen everything that was going on. And they would have changed. But they weren't anchored in truth. They weren't standing on the rock. What were they doing? Even Pilate himself... He says, I find no fault in him, and yet he changes his mind. Why? Because there's a riot brewing. It's dangerous out there. So he attempts to wash his hands of the whole thing. You and I cannot wash our hands against sin and evil and injustice in our world today. God calls us to stand for his truth and to stand on his word and not to be swayed by the crowd, not to be swayed by lies, not to be swayed by evil reports, but to stand on the never-changing truth of the rock of the word of God. And that's more important now than it has ever been For you and for me, for our children, for our grandchildren. Don't let them see us like a reed blowing in the wind. But let them see us as stalwart people standing for God on the rock of the truth of the word of God. And let us stand on that as long as we shall live. Number two, what could possibly go wrong when you engage in class warfare? Now, we're living in a world now where people are jealous, where people are resentful, where people judge other people unduly. And so when you see somebody that's poor, maybe you, without even knowing their situation, you've already judged them as a lazy, worthless bum. Or maybe when you see somebody who's rich, you automatically think of them as greedy. You think of them as somebody who is selfish. As somebody who has cheated to get ahead. But our verses here tell us that whichever way you go says you shall not show partiality. I mean if we stopped right there that would settle the whole issue. Whether they're rich, whether they're poor, whether they're better than you, more educated than you, whatever it may be, don't show partiality. But here he specifically points out to a poor man in this dispute You know, it's easy sometimes to say, well, I'm with the little guy. Well, the little guy could be wrong. Some people say, well, I'm with the big guy because, you know, he wouldn't do anything to jeopardize himself. And you're foolish if you align yourself with anyone or anything like that because the Bible tells us in James chapter 2, verse 1, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith, In our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, why shouldn't I show partiality? Because here's the bottom line it doesn't matter whether you like somebody or you don't like somebody, whether you get along or you don't get along, whether they're rich or whether they're poor, or whether they're like most of us in America, we're just kind of in between on all of that. Here's the bottom line all of us have one thing in common we are depraved and we are sinners. And because of that, in any given situation, I mean, have you ever heard of a preacher doing anything wrong? Surely not. In any situation. You ever heard of a deacon or a Sunday school teacher doing anything wrong? In any situation, you or someone like me or these people that we hold up as icons, the Billy Graham type people and those Others that are around us had the capacity to fail, had the capacity to mess up, had the capacity to sin. And so we're not to show partiality because there's no one good but God. And we've got to remember that. And when you hear about somebody that's not supposed to fail, that fails, remember the old saying, there but for the grace of God go I. Now that's easy to say, but we don't believe that. And we tend to think that we're above that, that we're better than that. Let me just assure you, better people than you and better people than me have fallen. And you and I have the capacity to fall as well. Don't get involved in class warfare. The reason we have an income tax in America, we didn't have one until 1918. In 1918, the year my grandmother was born... There was no income tax until then. And you know what the slogan was that President Wilson, a liberal, progressive, Democrat president said? The campaign was this, soak the rich. You ever heard anything like that? Make the 1%, make the rich pay their fair share. It's what they'll always tell you. But it always has a way of bleeding down to the little guy like us. They told uh, in the uh, early days of the income tax, you know, it'll never be above 7%. Wouldn't you love to pay 7% now? I mean, government never loses its thirst for your money and control over you. This is what some of this stuff with COVID-19, some of it makes sense. Some of it seems to be just for political power and political control over things. I said when this whole thing first started, I warned you that if the government ever gets a taste that it can shut down churches, it'll never want to give that up. And so we've seen those kind of things, especially in states like California and New York. And if it's not stopped, it'll be here before long. And what is the thing that the government always goes for and that ungodly people always go for? There's somebody who's not doing right, not paying enough. They have too much and they'll use class warfare to try to shut things down. And I'm warning you, don't fall for it. That's not the way God intends for his people to live or to act. Number three, what could possibly go wrong when you just fail to do the right thing? And so you're walking along and now you see that your neighbor's ox has gotten out or the donkey is going astray. Those are like tractors in those days. Those are things that people needed in order to make a living, in order to feed their family. What do you do? None of my business. Not my problem, not my donkey, not my ox. What do you do? And God tells his people, even if it's for an enemy, do the right thing. (coughs) Get the donkey. Get the ox. (coughs) Take them back. It's not yours. (coughs) Excuse me. It does matter what you do in fact even if you see the donkey under a load what are you supposed to do have some mercy on the donkey for one thing and then remember that your enemy is still made in the image of God and you are to treat your enemy as a creation of God and do for him what you know is the right thing to do And I want you to think about what all this means because the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Want to be rewarded? Just do the right thing even for somebody who doesn't like you, even for somebody who is out to destroy you, even for somebody who, wherever I heard this saying, if your brain was on fire, they wouldn't pour water in your ear. Right? Whenever you think about those kind of things, our tendency, your tendency, my tendency, is to sit back and go, well, they wouldn't do that for me. Maybe if we were back in the, days where God said this, we'd say, well, why should I do that for him? He wouldn't rescue my donkey. He wouldn't put my ox back in the pen. Well, that's where God's people are called to be separate, different, sanctified. We don't act like everybody else. And so that means when we look at our world today and we look at people that I mean, with the drop of a hat, if something doesn't go their way, they're burning down buildings, they're rioting, they're tearing up things. We, as the people of God, are supposed to be different in the way that we act. But it's not just that we could look and say, well, we would never riot and we would never do that. God says here, it's not just refraining from doing what they do, but to go the positive way. What are we doing? What are we doing to affect our society? How are we being salt and light in a racially divided country? How are we bringing people together? How are we in a lawless society? How are we helping to bring people into justice? How are we in a society that loves to pervert everything That is good and turn it into something nasty and something evil are we just going to follow along or are we going to do something that is right about it God calls us as the kingdom of light to shine in the darkness and the darkness doesn't always appreciate that don't expect them to applaud but it pleases the heart of your father when you find something that is wrong What can you do to correct it? Well, the first thing you can do is you can pray about it and you can pray for those people. You know, it's easy to watch things on TV and we say, animals, how can people live like that when the Bible would call us to pray? And then from our prayer, the spirit of God might lead you to actually do something that might be a help. It's amazing what the power of the individual can do. Think about people throughout history where one person stood up and they launched a movement. Where one person ran for office and they changed legislation. Where one person did a random act of kindness and it started other people doing the same thing and it changed the way people thought. We need to be those modern-day people as we look around at our decaying, rotting society, and we need to commit ourselves that whatever the case may be or the situation may be, we are going to do the right thing even if we have to do it alone. We will do what is right even to our enemies. And number four, what could possibly go wrong When you follow the money, you shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. How would you pervert the judgment of the poor? You take advantage of the fact that he's poor. I was in a trial one time where there was a man who was poor. And I watched the criminal justice system take advantage of him and convict an innocent man. It happens more often than we would like to admit. It happens in those times when sometimes you have some visitors in a church. And one of them is the owner of a Fortune 500 company. And the other one is somebody who's just barely off of the streets. Which member would you rather have? If you go to revivals and preach like I've done. And you're sitting there. On the stage, in a chair by the pastor, you know what typically will happen? He'll lean over and he said, You see that man right there? He's a doctor. Then we have another one that's a doctor. We have five doctors in our church. You know, he doesn't point out the garbage men, he doesn't point out the fast food workers, he doesn't point out the people that are struggling to get by. And yet the Bible tells us that God has a heart. For the poor. And we have our value system so turned around, we think somebody is blessed of God and righteous because they are rich, successful, well educated. And yet, the truth of the matter is, and in the book of James, it points this out. Do the poor oppress and persecute Christians? No, it's the powerful that do that. Those people that we are so impressed by, those people that we want to make a good impression on, and yet they're the very ones that cause us so much trouble. We need to be careful about what we think and what we do. And sometimes we follow the money. What can they do for us? What can they do for our church? What can they do for our business? Can I make the right connection here? And we ignore people that can't do anything for us. Someone said that the mark of a great person is how they treat people who can do nothing for them. I've heard that about politicians, that there are some great politicians, and they say you can tell a lot about them by the way they treat a waiter. By the way they treat the person who opens the door for them. By the way they treat those who serve them. Well, that's true of all of us. Dave Ramsey says whenever he interviews a potential employee, one of the things he does is about a four-step process. And the last thing he does is he and his wife take out the employee and their spouse to dinner. And they watch how they treat waiters and waitresses, how they treat people that they bump into, how they act when they're told that your uh, table won't be ready for 45 minutes. They watch that to determine whether that person is to be working for his company. Well, what do you think God is doing? And what do you think the lost world is doing with us? We need to be careful because people who can't do anything for you and bribes and Some of that, we may never take a literal bribe. But in a sense, our hearts are bribed because we think we can get in with this person and that's going to really do something for us. And yet we ignore other people that God has brought into our path. And so we've got to be careful about all of that. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through... This craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Think about that. And pierced themselves with many pangs. They're never happy when they do it. And it's a tragedy when it happens. But so many people are following the money. They assume that if it pays more, it must be the will of God. Maybe not. It may be the worst trap that you've ever fallen into. They assume that because somebody has something to offer them, they may be blessed of God. Not always true. Be careful about all of that. And what could possibly go wrong finally when you ignore the golden rule? said, you shall not oppress a stranger. We've heard that before. For you know the heart of a stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know what he's saying there? Treat other people like you wish the Egyptians had treated you. Treat other people like you wish the Egyptians had treated you. You know, whenever you find somebody that's in a hard place, you should never, ever look and say, Well, nobody helped me. They're just on their own. Never do that. Find a way to lend a helping hand. Find a way to treat them the way nobody treated you. If you come to church and nobody speaks to you, let me just give you an assignment. Make sure that never happens again. If you come to church and you go, well, people just ignored me, hey, make sure that never happens again. But the same thing is true in your family. The same thing is true at your workplace. The same thing is true at the school. The same thing is true at the neighborhood. When you see injustice, when you see discrimination, when you see people that are suffering and hurting, do whatever you can. Just follow the golden rule, just as Jesus was the one who put it like this in Matthew seven twelve. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. It's not enough just to simply say, well, I didn't punch my neighbor in the the nose. That's not the golden rule. It's not about what you don't do to them. It's about what you do. What would I wish that people had done for me in terms of friendship, in terms of hospitality, in terms of help, in terms of involvement, in terms of love and mercy, in terms of grace, whatever it might be, then Jesus says, make sure you do that for other people. Don't just pout because no one did it for you. I get so tired of Christians pouting because of the things that they have suffered. Hey, get up. God let you go through that so you could fix it for somebody else. If you're in the desert and there's no water, dig a well. Right? That's what he's saying. Matthew 18, 21 tells us, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often... Who owed him 10,000 talents. A lot of money. And since he could not pay. His master the king. Ordered him to be sold. With his wife and his children. And all that he had. And payment. To be made. So the servant fell to his knees. Imploring him. Have patience with me. And I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him. His master the king. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, quite a bit less. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Of course, my question is, how in the world are you going to pay the debt in prison, right? Mm. Then his fellow servants saw that he had what had taken place... They were greatly distressed, and they went in and reported to their master, the king, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. You know, there's a lot to be said. For do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Share the gospel with people. Aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel with you? Give to somebody that's in need. Aren't you glad that God has given so much to you? Be a blessing to somebody who doesn't really care about being a blessing to you or anyone else. Aren't you glad that God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? You think about what is going wrong in our society. And we just identified some of them. But we also identified the fact that God's people, Christian people, should be the antidote to all of this. That we should be the ones who are different. And may God grant that that difference would show up in force, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and make a difference in the lives of men and women, boys and girls. The old telephone commercials used to say, reach out and touch someone. That's the point of this message today. If you don't know Christ, Repent of your sins and get to know Him today. He died to pay for all of your sins. And if you do know Him, reach out and touch someone. The society we live in is doing everything wrong. You and I have the opportunity to do some things that are right for the glory of God and the well-being of other people. So do it. In Jesus' name and for His glory. Father, as we think about what all this means, help us. Open our eyes. Soften our hearts. Put us in those situations where we really can make a difference and we can share the gospel and show the gospel in that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you for your time.